brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. There are some Catholics who, frankly, don't understand the push going on in the church at this moment to make fundamental changes to the faith. This push is coming from within the hierarchy, from within well-connected and powerful offices, and from well-connected and powerful members of the laity including some very influential laymen directly connected to Francis, as well as from the hierarchy. There's another push going on at this moment. To silence and undercut the credibility of anyone who dares to criticize what is going on by a whole host of suspiciously well-connected laymen who are trying to paint a picture for you of this ongoing synod of synodality, that all is well in the church, that the faith is not being threatened from heretics who are within the church, who are pushing a program of replacing the faith with essentially a parody of it that replaces the moral teachings of the church with the morality of the secular world. They ignore that the groundwork is being laid for this by Francis, and the real work being done is by people directly connected to him, who are quite open about their radical program for the church. Let's take a look at this bigger issue today. And if you don't believe that there's a major push from within the leadership of the church to use the ongoing synod of synodality, you know, this thing that keeps giving us this childlike artwork here to change the Catholic church into something else, a big push to come to change the faith into a parody of the Catholic faith. If you don't believe that's going on, I have a story for you here. It's actually a series of them. And they all came out about the same time. Remember an old principle, let people whom you disagree with talk openly. They'll tell you what they really think, especially when they think they're speaking in a safe place to do it. They'll tell you what they're really planning to do if you simply let them talk. Headline from the National Catholic Reporter. Synod advisors meet outside Rome to consider, quote, time for change in Catholic Church. Story's a couple of weeks old by now, but it sets up the rest of what we're talking about nicely today. The article begins by noting that a group was meeting at the time the article was being written, a only a few miles from where then Father Ratzinger, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, Yves Congar, and a few others were meeting in the 1960s to help a draft a document for Vatican II. That comparison was made to get you to accept the work this group is doing. Their purpose, well, according to the article, their purpose of this group that's doing this now is to help push the Catholic Church to accept change in what they're calling a season or time of change, which they punctuate by stating that They are paying attention to the marginal voices in the church, meaning indigenous people, women, and other groups were used to the secular world insisting have been pushed to the margins. This secular way of thinking about these things is going to be a common theme here. From the National Catholic Reporter article, quote, There is an enormous sense of common purpose, said Pasco, who said that the group has been drawing on a bond of trust as it aims to complete the draft document. While the drafters have been asked not to discuss the content of the forthcoming document, Mauricio Lopez, who is the coordinator for the Conference of Latin American Bishops Center for Networking and Action, told the National Catholic Reporter that in synthesizing reports from around the globe, quote, there is a very clear consistency in the recognition that this is a time for change. In this call for change, we can see that there needs to be a different dynamic and how the church listens to the people of God, and how it allows itself to be transformed by listening to the people of God, he continued. Lopez, who was one of the organizers of the 2019 Synod of Bishops for the Pan-Amazon region, said that among the consistent concerns that have emerged in the reports 
are calls for greater attention to social and environmental justice, care for the suffering and the poor, the need for greater concern for the church in conflict areas, and the role of women in the church. In all these findings, he said, there is evidence that it is time for, quote, a different kind of leadership. Service has to be at the center of what it means to be the Catholic Church today, he said. Otherwise, clericalism arises very strong in the Ted McCarrick problems and misuse of power and authoritarianism emerges because we lose sight of our actual core call, which is to serve, end quote. Aw. Those are secular values framed in the language of and problems facing the church in recent decades. We will never hear the end of the Ted McCarrick problem, even if it's been decades since there's been a case of it eventually, because they have used that problem and weaponized it. It has been done by the modernists to use as a tool to enact the changes they want to see in the church, despite their being largely responsible for the Ted McCarrick problems in the church because of their insistence on allowing men with un, we'll call unnatural interests into the priesthood. And they did it in large numbers, and there's a near-perfect correlation to it. Make no mistake, this process is being led by the modernists. Francis's English-language biographer, Austin Ivory, is participating in this progress, and he has enormous influence due to his personal knowledge and connection to Bergoglio directly. Well, the changes that are coming beyond paper as radical as what the synodal document this group is working on calls for. Probably not. That's not Francis's style. Back before Morse Letizia and the Synod on the Family that spawned that satanic document, men like Walter Cardinal Casper had been pushing very hard for the changes we saw as a result of that document, as a result of the Morse Letizia, Communion for Divorced and Remarried Couples, recognition for the validity of all that. You get the idea. A Morse Letizia, the modernists argue, did not change much for those Catholics in that position, but it did, especially upon implementation, with the notorious controversy surrounding various footnotes and obscure paragraphs of that verbose document. One such implementation from South America was the most radical, openly allowing for those Catholics to receive the Eucharist with no problems whatsoever, and Francis's Vatican issued a statement that was not ambiguous, stating that that interpretation from South America... I think it was from Argentina, his homeland, which, of course, makes more sense. They said that that radical interpretation was the correct one, meaning that a Morris Letizia was issued to appear vague and ambiguous, but its implementation and interpretation was by no stretch of the imagination meant to be ambiguous. It had a clear goal to enable change, and almost certainly that's going to be the purpose here, but on a grander scale. Francis is not likely to issue a document that is so openly radical as things that the Germans have been calling for. They'll get what they want to some degree. Last week on October 11th, commemorating the memorial of John XXIII and the opening of the Second Vatican non-binding pastoral council, Francis reminds the church that it is indeed the purpose of the synod to be open to change, because that was what Vatican II was about, changing the faith, changing the church, and that the present synod is just a continuation of that spirit of change. From Francis's own speech, quote, to rekindle her love for the Lord, the church, for the first time in her history, devoted a council to examining herself and reflecting on her nature and mission. We are always tempted to start from ourselves rather than from God, to put our own agendas before the gospel, to let ourselves be caught up in the winds of worldliness in order to chase after the fashions of the moment, or to turn our back on the time that providence has granted us in order to retrace our steps. Yet let us be careful. 
both the quote-unquote progressivism that lines up behind the world and the quote-unquote traditionalism or looking backwards that longs for a bygone world are not evidence of love but of infidelity. They are forms of a Pelagian selfishness that puts our own tastes and plans above the love that pleases God, the simple, humble, and faithful love that Jesus asked of Peter. Let us return to the Council's pure sources of love. Let us rediscover the Council's passion and renew our own passion for the Council. Yet how many of us are unable to live the faith with joy without grumbling and criticizing? A church in love with Jesus has no time for quarrels, gossips, and disputes. May God free us from being critical and intolerant, harsh and angry. This is not a matter of style, but of love. Let us return to the council, which rediscovered the living river of tradition without remaining mired in traditions. Let us return to the council and move beyond ourselves, resisting the temptation to self-absorption, which is a way of being worldly. End quote. Cling to the same faith that our great-grandparents had. You're being worldly. Go figure. There are a lot of incredible statements being made in that lengthy quote, but note something here. Francis is preparing you for what is supposed to be a moderate-looking document, something that will have the appearance of being moderate. It will be implemented by some dioceses in a very, very radical way. And then Rome will say, yes, this is the correct interpretation. Will we get another frankly pointless dubia that never gets answered or followed up by by the authors of the dubia? Possibly. But this appearance of being moderate is the key here, because that has been Francis's style since the start. We even saw with Traditionis Custodis and how the bishops were, quote unquote, permitted to retain the Latin mass. But then any priest who wrote to Rome to ask for permission to say the mass beyond what the bishop was given when there was a mechanism in Traditionus Custodis for just doing that, was denied permission. Every priest has been. And any bishop who asked Rome for assistance in implementing the document was told unequivocally to end all mass offerings in the diocese by spring of 2023, and they were told that with a form letter. I've covered that before. Appearing moderate is the key to understanding everything here. Some people in officially high-sanctioned capacities are beginning to notice this, though. The same day that the article about this season of change was published by the National Catholic Reporter, the National Catholic Register published this piece. Headline, Synod organizers are making their crisis of credibility worse. Those running the Synod on Synodality could be building credibility by about the process by acknowledging its limitations and avoiding obvious landmines. Instead, they're only giving Catholics more reasons to be concerned, and they don't seem to care. It's true. The Register is a much more moderate outlet than the National Catholic Reporter. Keep that in mind. The Register is the digital print arm of EWTN, and as moderate outlets go, they like to be measured in how they say things. Makes sense. If, if they're trying to be straight news, that's how you do it. And even they're noticing that the Synod is causing a lot of concern that undermines its own credibility. But I want to ask you something here. How can the credibility of the Synod being under question how can that be under question when we're told that the thing is being guided by the spirit, whatever that means, and when Francis is using language to remind us the church needs to change? I mean, if the man the world sees as Pope is endorsing this season of change, as Catholics, we're told to shut off our brains, fall in line, accept whatever version of the faith the man is peddling, and just obey, just submit. That's what we're told. Otherwise, 
or crypto set of a contest or something. But how is the credibility of the Synod coming under question? The Register article makes this clear. No one participated. On average, less than 1% of the Catholic population in any country participated in the Synod. The vast, vast, vast majority of Catholics just ignored it, which the Vatican itself said needed to hear from at least 5% of Catholics for its own legitimacy. They didn't get the numbers they needed. It simply didn't happen. From the National Catholic Register article, quote, as Stephen White, director of the Catholic Project, put it, Desperate attempts to paint the Synod as representative of the census fidelium are, quite frankly, offensive. White, who organized Synod sessions at the Catholic University of America, added that, quote, It's hard to avoid the impression, in the West at least, that far more effort has been put to selling and spinning this as a triumph than was put into planning it in the first place. Given all this, one would think that those running the Synod would be especially concerned to protect the credibility of the process or at least not damage it any further. For instance, synod organizers could refrain from using hyperbolic language about what the synod is and what it can accomplish, and instead recalibrate expectations. The synod is an imperfect consultative process, here's their example of how it should be framed, which will give church leaders an incomplete but still valuable window into how some people relate to the church, the true value of which may be more so in the process of bringing people together to listen and discuss, rather than in the comprehensive accuracy of the findings it produces. Short of that, one would think that synod organizers might prioritize avoiding obvious quote-unquote landmines that could reinforce the perception that the whole process and the vague theological neologisms that accompany it are being used as a pretext to advance an ideological agenda. End quote. And that's from a moderate outlet. That's not some rad trad speaking to you there. That's a moderate outlet. But despite the precarious place the Synod of Synodality finds itself at, the promoters don't seem inclined to take a more measured and restrained approach. The article goes on to describe the bizarre artwork that was the result of this process, the USCCB's working document that, like the working documents of places from all over the Catholic world, asked for the same thing. Ordination of women, the James Martin issue being normalized in the church, and another a number of other heretical topics. This is what we've come to expect, and because Francis has been saying over and over again that the spirit is moving through the laity in this process, that the Synod of Synodality is a movement of the Spirit. How can he deny what all in charity assume he means is the Holy Spirit, or the ch that these changes the Spirit is demanding? How can we deny that if they come from the Holy Spirit? Disregard all that stuff that our blessed Lord said in Scripture about God being the same yesterday, today, and forever, because you have to when using part of the Godhead of the Trinity to push for changes in the faith. How can he deny the spirit the change is asking for? Because where we're at now in the synodal process, at this point, while the Francis and the sycophants are busying themselves going after anyone who points this out, the rest of us are waiting to see just what that infernal synthesis document, Austin Ivory, and his modernist cronies are hatching up, what it looks like, what it's going to do, because it's going to set the agenda. And we'll see soon enough. The author of that piece in the Register says that it's the intention of the group led by Austin Ivory to ignore Francis's call for a unified, inclusive process, and to instead use their position to promote their own ideological agenda. And this is where I think mainstream voices fail to grasp the gravity of the situation. They are representing Francis's intentions as being moderate and being, you know, the voice of reason. 
He wants them to make a mess, as he constantly puts it. He wants Austin of Ray's group to make a mess. He wants a radical outcome. That's why Cardinal Hollerick and Cardinal Gresh are in the positions they're in, to help guide a radical program to a radical conclusion. To assume anything else is just naive or being willfully dishonest. But there you have it. The most influential people of the synodal process telling us that changes in the, are coming to the church, and that it's here already. The moderate external observers warning us the synod of synodality is being used by ideological forces within the church for what can only be called a radical reform plan to change the faith into something else. So I ask you, what do you think? Do you agree that we're seeing an obvious attempt to change the faith? Should we be concerned that Cardinal Grish, Cardinal Hollerick, and important laymen directly connected to Francis are all saying we're in a time and a season of change in the church? Should that be concerning when you hear that language? Let me know what you think about this in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. As this sharing these messages on social media it helps enormously as well. So always pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.